This is the Full Funnel B2B Marketing Podcast, brought to you by FullFunnel.io. Let's dive in. Uh, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me today. As you know, we are going to chat today with Rand Fishkin about getting your PR pitches accepted. Rand is an author of this awesome book, one of my favorite business books. This is not about PR, but as promised, um, we are going to chat about how to find the real sources where you should get maximum of out of your PR programs, right? How to structure PR programs and how basically get your pitches accepted because this is something that we chatted behind the scenes. We see a boom of uh, agencies that are booking podcasts, right? Booking guest posts, PR coverage, etc. And what they are doing is that they are playing the game of numbers. Basically, podcast agencies are scraping the contact data of podcast hosts and then add this uh, information to email outreach software and spam everybody with something like, hey, you know what? I loved episode number 50, let's say with Rand Fishkin. And by the way, I have a guest who has completely different skill set. And you, you know what? Just because your podcast in the business category, let's have this awesome guest at your show. And this approach doesn't work, as you know. We have collected a bunch of questions, so I'm really willing to learn from you today. Thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Good to be here. Thanks for having me, Andre. Yeah, so let's, um, I suggest to kick it off with one practical question. How do you find true sources where PR will have the most impact? Yeah, that's a great one. Um, so I, I think, unfortunately, there's like a, there's a misnomer that size of audience is a big goal, right? And so you should pursue the publications with the largest audience. There's also a, um, a big problem that we see in especially startup and business PR where people want the most prestigious coverage. So they want whatever, New York Times or Wall Street Journal, those kinds of things. And those publications have big audiences and they have name brand recognition so they might make a nice logo on your homepage or something that, that people can read, right? And if you're using it for social proof, that's a different story. But if your goal, which I think the goal of most PR should be, is reach people who might become customers in the places they already pay attention to people that they trust, right? So that could be an email newsletter that they subscribe to. It could be a conference that they attend. It could be a webinar. It could be a YouTube channel. Uh, it could be a podcast, it could be a, a niche publication, right, with a very small or relatively small audience, but exactly the people that you want to reach. And my, uh, my advice to find those is, I, I think there's three options that you have. You can survey your audience. So if you have a, you know, an email list of customers or potential customers, people who already subscribe to your email newsletter uh, or your product, you can survey them and ask them what they pay attention to and then sort of take those sources uh, as a list. You can interview people, which is not a bad methodology either. It's, it's slow, it's one-to-one. -one. You won't get perfect information because people just don't have perfect recall through surveys and interviews. Um, and then the third option uh, can be done in a manual or an automated way. The, the manual way to do it is to 
get the social profiles of a bunch of your customers. So find their YouTube profiles, find their Twitter profiles, find their LinkedIn profiles. Facebook and Instagram can work too, although those tend to be more personal. So it depends on the value for, for B2B. Uh, but you can then essentially go visit all those profiles and look at what they collectively follow, right? So if, oh, I visit Andre's YouTube profile and he follows you know, this channel and this channel, and then I visit uh, Jill's uh, profile and she follows a couple of those channels as well. Okay, maybe that my audience really pays attention to these YouTube channels. It's manual, it's frustrating and takes a long time, um, but it is very effective because you're not getting you know, interview or survey data, you're getting the real data from real people's accounts. You really know that they follow them. The alternative to that is to do audience research through a tool that collects it uh, by crawling this data, you know, in an automated fashion. And that um, obviously, you know, my company, SparkToro does that. Uh, there's also two others, three others actually that, that do this uh, brand watch, which is very expensive and enterprise, but, but very good. Uh, you can also use a company called Audience with, with an S instead of a C, and there's a third one called Helixa.ai, right? And so what, what SparkToro and these others do is essentially crawl, you know, hundreds of millions of web and social profiles and then aggregate the data together. So if you search for, you know, dentists in Canada, SparkToro will say, okay, well, they subscribe to these newsletters and they, they follow these YouTube channels, they visit these websites, they follow these social accounts, et cetera. And you can see the proportion. So, you know, 17% of Canadian dentists follow this YouTube channel. I, I like that data. I like those types of numbers because it tells me that's where my audience is. And I don't really care about, you know, whatever it is, I, I don't know, uh, you know, domain authority or, or total traffic uh, or awards or prestige, I care about is my audience paying attention to this publication? That's absolutely true. I would love to basically share my takeaways of 2021. So this year, I basically, I published several guest posts. I published one on CXL, which is like well-known in marketing space. I published one on Sales Hackers blog, which is as well as well well known in marketing and sales space, uh, space. But I didn't get that much traffic right out of it. But I believe that the golden middle of basically the lowest hanging fruit is combining both methods that you have mentioned. So doing the customer interviews and also uh, checking their profiles and leveraging SparkToro, which we are using as well, and uh, this way, we identified several partners uh, with whom we just did partnership webinars. We have hosted five partnership webinars in total, and this helped us. And just in terms of audience, we got around 1,500 new subscribers to our newsletter. Wow. the first outcome the second one and these are companies that are not well known right these are not big logos that i could say well you know what i did let's say i co-hosted webinar with gong for example now these are quite small companies but our audience mentioned that they love content that is produced by these companies so that's a practical actual outcome of what you have mentioned and yeah. the goal is not following the numbers the goal is 
basically find the resources where your audience or uh, your audience trust these resources and follows right actively. Let's make it practical. Uh, would you mind to share us how to find these resources in Spark Toro? So it could be like a short, let's say, let, let's let's pretend we are going to find, let's say, sources for fullfunnel.io for my company. What would be my, let's say, what would be my approach if I were using Spark Toro for the first time? How could I identify these resources? Sure, yeah. Um... So I, I would start with one of one of three options, right? I would probably start with uh, your current social profile. So whatever whatever that is, you know, if you have a Twitter handle or a, a LinkedIn page or something, I would use that as the search term in SparkToro. You could SparkToro has a drop down, uh, so you could drop down to my audience follows the social account and then put in you know at your social account, and then SparkToro will essentially show you attributes of the audience that follows that account, which will then tell you what else they follow, what else they subscribe to, what else they visit, listen to, read, watch, et cetera. That, um, that data is pretty darn valuable. And then you can dive into those and find, for example, maybe a competitor or, or a news source, a publication that you think Yes, that one is very high quality. I want to, or, or you know, very, very um, on topic for the audience that I want to reach. I'm going to use that one, and you can you can go click them and dig into their audience as well. You can also do that if if you don't have a big social following already. Uh, you can take one of your competitors or take a publication in your industry that's popular and put that in. The other way you could do it is uh, Spartora has a dropdown called my audience uses these words in their profile. And if there's a job title or a role or a, um, a topic of interest, um, you can use those words that might appear in there. So, you know, in your case, maybe that is, uh, it could be B2B marketing, right? And if, if that's your your audience tends to have words in their, you know, LinkedIn profile, Twitter profile, um, Facebook about, Instagram about, uh, those types of places. You you plug that in, you plug in those words, and SparkToro will show you details about that, all of the people who it has in its index that have those words in their profile. So you can get very broad or very narrow. Uh, and then the third one I might recommend is if you know there's a hashtag that's very popular in your field, right? So maybe it's, um, you know, hashtag B2B advertising or hashtag um, funnel marketing or, you know, whatever the, the terminology might be, you can plug that in and you can see people who over the last three to four months, that's about the length of SparkToro's index is usually around four months. Over the past four months, if they've used that hashtag, uh, if it's a very unique hashtag once or twice, and if it's a very popular broad hashtag, if they've used it many times, SparkToro will analyze those people's profiles and tell you traits and attributes, things that they follow. Um, so those are those are all great ways to go. The nice thing about you know SparkToro is it's totally free, so you can sign up, run some searches, and start to like figure out. Oh, okay. This is my audience. This is this is not. Uh, it's it looks like there's five free searches, but if you run out of those five, we'll just send you an email and give you another five. <laughs> so, uh, 
So don't worry about running out. And what should be my next steps? Okay, so I have identified these sources, right? So what should be my next steps? Because let's say the, the way how most people think about it, they find these contacts and reach out and say, hey, would you mind, let's say, if uh, you want to be on the podcast, you say, hey, what, would you like to have me on the podcast? Or if you have identified the source, like a blog or newsletter with your audience, right? So people just say, would you like to, I have a wonderful piece of content, like the best one, right? Would you be able to share it with your audience? And of course, it doesn't work. So what's, what are the right next steps? My favorite thing to do, the thing that's been without a doubt most effective for me whenever I'm pitching is get a warm intro, right? So what the, the thing I recommend the most is not to reach out directly to the source that you want to publish your piece or have you on their podcast or write about your company. No. What I suggest is that you go to whatever LinkedIn or to your email or to Twitter, um, and find someone that you know in your network, someone who likes you, knows you, trusts you, thinks highly of you, you've worked with them before, whatever it is, and they are connected to the person that you wanna pitch or the publication you wanna pitch. And you reach out and you say, hey, Andre, I saw that you were on this podcast and you, know, you and I did, did that thing together a few months ago. Do you think you'd be willing to recommend me to them? so many people will be like, oh yeah, I'd be happy to, no problem. That, that is, I, I have yet to see that not work. So I, I'm not talking about a 70% acceptance rate. I'm talking about nearly 100% acceptance rate. I think, I think it is worth network building and, and influence building and relationship building to get to the point where you have lots of connections in your field and industry so that that, um, that process is enabled for you. I think that's one of the most worthwhile things you can possibly do. And that 100% acceptance rate, it's not going to be true for everyone. But I guarantee if today your acceptance rate is 1%, you know, from cold pitching, cold outreach, I guarantee you can get 20, 50, 75% from this method. I'm smiling because uh, when we're discussing, or basically when we're launching account-based marketing programs with our clients and we start building account list for the pilot campaign, right? There is a question that is coming from sales team. Should we buy Zoom info or should we purchase any software for our stack? I always say, hold on. So the first and the lowest hanging fruit is basically uh, analyzing your existing connections, right? You could, uh, you could immediately find the accounts where you have lots of connections and you can get this interest, right? That's the lowest hanging fruit. You don't need to software to do this. Uh, but Let's pretend we don't have these connections, right? Uh, let's, let's pretend I'm not connected to anybody who could make me an intro to sales hacker. And I want, I know that this is the resource where my target audience uh, hangs out and they trust this resource so I can get some benefits out of publishing at sales hacker. So what should be my approach in this case? Yeah, I think one of the best ways to go, this is a little unusual, but one of the best things you can possibly do if you have no connections is to 
start a publication of your own. So uh, that I, I don't care what kind of publication we're talking about. It could be, you know, a TikTok channel. It could be a uh, or a TikTok account. It could be a YouTube channel. It could be a blog. It could be a newsletter. It could be a podcast. It, it could be a webinar series. Some type of publication that you own and run. And what I would suggest from there, this has worked very effectively for a whole bunch of people I know. What I would suggest from there, even if you have very little listenership, very few subscribers, right? You know, maybe you've got like 10 people who subscribe to you and two of them are your mom and dad. This <laughs> That's okay. Start inviting some guests, right? To contribute and, and uh, be on your publication. A lot of people will say yes. They don't have to be very high profile people, but they will help you start to build that network. Right, you can say, "Oh, Andre, I just started a new podcast. We, we don't have a lot of traction yet. I'm publishing my first episodes. Could I have you on as a guest? I'm I'm just doing my new email newsletter. It's going to be an interview format at the top of the newsletter. I want to ask you just three questions. Would you be up for being the top of my newsletter next month? A lot of people will say yes. And once you have those connections to people who have also been in other publications." You can then next month say, hey, Andre, our email uh, newsletter came out. You were featured in there. Here's a you know, promotion if you want to put it on LinkedIn and Twitter and, and put it on your Facebook. And also, uh, could I, would you mind making an intro to so-and-so for me? Ta-da, you've now gone from no network to a network with exactly the people you wanted to reach. Go to the podcast, go to the newsletter, go to the publication, go to the source of influence, go to the conference that you want to be on. Look at their list of guests. Find the ones that are not so high profile that you think it's going to be impossible to get them on. Invite them to your publication. Use the connection that you create and the, the empathy and relationship that you build right? You have helped people in that world. Now they will help you in return. It's a win-win. That's absolutely true. So look, today we are recording episode number 75 and how this story has started with this full funnel marketing show. I uh, read an article from James Kerberry, who is running one of the most popular podcasts in B2B marketing space, the B2B Growth Show and running a company called Sweetfish Media. So he, I, for, I forgot how exactly this article was called, but it doesn't matter. So it's, it inspired me so much. And I reached out and told, look, James, I just, just because of you, of your article, I want to launch my podcast. Would you mind to be my first guest? I don't have audience at that time. I just launched uh my facebook community and i would be super happy if you if you'd be my first guest he accepted and then he introduced me to gaitan adinardi from sales hacker gaitan introduced me to chris walker from refine labs <laughs> and you, you are living proof you are living proof andre that this uh this tactic is extremely effective and yeah. i think what's you know what's great about it is there is no um there's no extraction of um, abuse, right? No one is taking advantage of, of anyone else. It's not a dirty trick or, or spammy or scuzzy. It's 
hey, I'm helping you promote your thing. You're helping me promote my thing. We're building an audience together. We're creating things that people find useful. Uh, what could be better, right? We're, we're, as we learn things about what works in our field, doesn't matter if it's you know marketing or growth or entrepreneurship or, or dentistry or interior design or architecture or fiction writing, no matter the topic, people want to form connections with other people and uh, learn and share what they learn. I, I think it's a great thing. So someone, someone told me, Andre, uh, that, you know, because men, especially men over the age of 30, are, are very bad at building uh, new friendships, that podcasts are the way men have meaningful conversations with each other. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, we have a question from Elisa. Elisa, feel free to join us. Hi. So, and this is not exactly pertaining to the topic we were just discussing. Um, I still, so a comment before I have a question. I'm not totally convinced the power of podcasts. I keep hearing, and I obviously it depends on your target audience and all the rest of it, but I keep getting emails from people who want me to work with them to, you know, get on podcasts, but I don't know too many people that actually listen to them. So anecdotally, I'm, I'm on the fence about it as a marketer, but to go back to my original question that I posed in the chat, um, my question to you uh, is how should we actually approach individuals when it comes to pitching an idea? So I've heard two kinds of ways of doing it. The first one is to actually sketch out what an article or a story might include and provide ahead of time, like these are some data points to help support, these are some quotables from our customers or what have you, and kind of serve up that story on a silver platter versus I've heard other people suggest that you actually just approach whomever you're trying to build that relationship with, with a couple of nuggets about ideas based on what they've written about before. So it's actually topical. And then you actually leave it to them to figure out what the whole story is. So based on your experience, is there one method that tends to work better versus another? Yeah, great questions, Alyssa. Um, okay, so to the first one, uh, this is why I find the process of audience research so valuable, right? The surveys, the interviews, the the, the tools, SparkToro or whatever you're using, um, because it will tell, you know, if you go into SparkToro and you look for Canadian dentists, yeah, you'll probably see that they listen to very few podcasts. So pod, and the numbers will be small, right? It'll be like 4% of, you know, dentists in Canada subscribe to one or more podcasts. And are they really about dentistry? No. Okay. Podcasts are not for me. So in some sectors, podcast listenership is huge. You know, the numbers are in the 20s and 30s percents. It's usually never 70 or 80 percent. So you're absolutely right. It tends to be niche. The real value of podcasts is that there's sort of a world of creators and influential sources that all are, are kind of form these nests of influence around podcasts. So I tend to find Podcasts are a great way to reach people who also have influential publications, newsletters, social accounts, LinkedIn profiles, all those kinds of things. They tend to be podcast listeners because they're sort of creator types. Now, uh, apart from that, or if you're in the uh, murder mystery genre, podcasts, huge. Um, uh, now, apart from that, one of the things I want to make sure is that I'm not over-focusing on the idea of podcasts. And that goes to your second question, which is essentially, 
what you really want to do is find all of the sources of influence that are most influential to your audience. And that could be, as you point out, you know, a journalist who writes about a particular topic for a particular publication. And, and in the case that it's, you know, a journalist writing, your pitch is going to be very different from someone who runs an email newsletter or has a company blog or has a podcast or does a webinar series or runs a conference the pitches are completely different and they're unique to each unique, unique different kind. For journalists in particular, which it sounds like is, is most of what you're talking about there, uh, I, I first want to express that I am not a journalist classic PR pitch expert. I've gotten plenty of placement in publications like that and 90% and of it is not from talking about my company, it's from talking about research and what I call spiky opinions. So essentially, what I try and do is I find the journalist or the publication that I really want to cover, you know, my stuff. In, in, um, in the case of, for example, like the book I wrote, Lost and Founder, the Wall Street Journal was going to be big. Like I very much wanted to be in front of the Wall Street Journal. So I worked with Penguin Random House, my publisher, to be like, okay, who covers startup books, right, and, and entrepreneurship at the Wall Street Journal. It's, it's basically these three women, they write about uh, startups and entrepreneurship and, and books for the Wall Street Journal. How do we get in front of them? And in this case, uh, the thing that was most useful was pitching the book around one of the particular chapters, which was specifically focused on um, essentially the, the uh, inequity, in, inequity in startup funding and in startup pitching and in um, sort of who gets to start companies and how and those kinds of things. And so that was the center of the pitch, right? It was basically, hey, here's a little snippet from the book. We're going to, you know, their press people who knew the person at Wall Street Journal emailed them that piece. And she was like, yeah, I'd love to talk to Rand. So we got on the phone. And, and now, you know, over the course of probably, what is it, four years since Lost and Founder, not quite, three, three years since Lost and Founder came out. I think I've talked to her for six different stories, including a piece that she did about Lost and Founder entirely. So, you know, that proved to be a very valuable relationship. It was based on um, essentially research and data that was published in the book. That, that pitch started the process. I have used this a bunch of times. So I wanted the New York Times, for example, to cover the Google story that I did about how two-thirds of searches now end without a click, right? This was research I did back in 2020. So, you know, again, same type of thing. I, in, in this case, I pitched it uh, end around by comment replying on some tweets of journalists at the New York Times. And they were like, whoa, really fascinating. Can I talk to you for a story? And they ended up quoting it in there. Also helped that I um, I had a friend who uh, worked at Yelp in their sort of um, um, what should we call it uh, the department of like talking to politicians right and uh, and this guy uh, helped get that research in front of some members of Congress so for when they were grilling um, Sundar Pichai. So that's nice, right? Like the, the research, it gets cited in Congress. And then, you know, of course, like a bunch of publications write about it and link to it. So I, I, like, I like doing either numeric research, like here's data that did not exist before and we created it 
And so that that is going to earn coverage. Or I have this very, I call it a spiky opinion, controversial opinion or unusual opinion. And I publish something about that. And then that gets coverage. Like right now, I'm trying to pitch this idea of chill work, which is sort of the opposite of hustle culture to some publications. I wrote a little bit about it. I'm probably going to do that again. I think that that has legs and can, you know, sort of stand in opposition because hustle culture is something that many people are not so excited about as they were maybe five years ago. Um, so that that might be my, that, that's kind of my best advice and stories around the types of pitches that have worked for me. How did you come up with the idea of chill work? Uh, is it coming from your trip to Italy? Because they have this slow life concept, right? Yeah, yeah, right. The um, There's the slow food movement in Italy. And then the slow life, you know, um, uh, what do they call it? Slow, slow village or slow, slow town. Village. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so a little bit, definitely there's some inspiration taken from there, but I think in a lot of ways, it's just a, a recognition that the kind of the hustle lifestyle that I was engaging in um, during a lot of my years at, at my first company at Moz was both um, unhealthy and also unproductive. Like essentially, Andre, I was, I was looking at this problem of, gosh, when I am burnt out and feeling emotionally drained and feeling like I'm burning the candle at both ends and I'm tired and my back hurts uh, and I've been staring at the screen for a long time, I don't make good decisions. I, I don't work quickly at that point, right? Like you're the, the 60th hour of work that you do in a week is nothing like the first hour of work that you do in a week. It's just sort of drained of energy and poor quality and, you know, answering every email takes forever because it just feels. So I, I wanted a, a change. And I think the, um, there's, there's tons of data around this, right? If you take like a bunch of college students and you, you sort of look at the ones who are, you know, whatever, have good sleep and physical fitness, and they haven't been doing very much schoolwork, and you put them in front of a test, they significantly outperform people who've been like grinding and studying hard and, you know, uh, not sleeping. And so you're like, oh, wait a minute, maybe, maybe there's more to uh, the human brain than just how hard we work. Maybe that's not uh, the way to get peak performance, especially in a, you know, in an informational and entrepreneurial setting. So that's, those are all the things that, that kind of inspired this idea of chill work. And I, I hope it can take off. You know, I feel like, I feel like there's a, it, it's due for a moment. And I read it for the first time. It resonated with me. I also sent it to some of my colleagues, to some of our clients. And this is something that I also experienced when I moved from Poland to Croatia. So I'm not far from Italy uh exactly the same so i was coming and oh my gosh probably i could work differently and considering last the years i spent here in croatia the outcomes when i'm looking back the outcomes are mind blown but again that's another story uh, i have one practical question what is the best pitch you have ever received i got a really outstanding pitch from a guy named francisco baptista um I don't know if it's the best one I've ever seen, but it's definitely in the top 10. So Francisco runs a company called Team Sports. Uh, Team Sports with a Z. Mm -hmm. so, 
and and team sports does it's kind of a um it's a it's a product for coaches and players and teams not professional athletes but semi-professional or um league players amateur athletes uh and and coaches and teams like that it basically francisco got on a 30-minute call with me just to ask about you know some uh, marketing stuff and he explained what his company did he showed me a little brief demo of their of their software he talked about the team that had built it and uh, I was so excited about it that at the end of the call, I went and talked to, to Geraldine, to my wife, um, and I think we invested $75,000, <laughs> So, um, which is like, that was our whole investing budget for like two years, because <laughs> um, I was just so excited about, about team sports. It was a great pitch. And, and you know what made it so great is that the product and the team sold itself. Like he didn't have to craft an incredible, you know, here's the pitch. Here's why it's going to be a billion dollar company. Here's why, you know, we're going to go to the moon. It's just, here's what I've done kind of in, you know, my spare time while working another job with, with two or three other folks. And here's what we're up to. Here's what we've built so far. And I was like, my God, if they can do that, you know, part-time with no funding, this, this company is going to be incredible, right? This guy is just um, unstoppable and amazing. And um, yeah, that was very effective pitch for me. Did he follow your instructions and basically uh, got an intro to you or it was a cold outreach? Yes, he played basketball with a friend. So he's, you know, he like plays kind of street basketball with a friend of mine, uh, Will Crishlow in, in London. And through Will, he got connected to another mutual friend, Lisa, and she connected him to me. There you go. Exactly, exactly the same, the, the right pitch process, right? It's, it's networking. They say, guys, how networking influences everything. <laughs> so that's, that's a key to success. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good example. Um, if you guys, if you want to jump in and ask any questions, feel free to do it. Or if you are not comfortable with asking questions live, that's also fine. Feel free to type in a Zoom chat and I will definitely ask them uh, a question that is not related to this conversation, but Campari or Aperol? Uh, they're both good. I So there's another... Um, red aperitivo that's that's made here in the United States, actually, that I think is top notch uh, from Leopold Brothers. I don't know if you saw, Andre, but um, Amanda and I put together the latest post on uh, Spark Toro is actually a list of great food and drink gifts for the holidays, obviously. And uh, here, I'll put it I'll put it in the chat for folks. We don't get anything from it. I just love. Yeah, as you know. Uh, food and cocktails. And so every year, well, two years in a row now we've, uh, we've put together this little gift guide and you'll find, you'll find the, the aperitivo on there. I maybe have a slight preference for Campari style. <laughs> good one. I prefer a pearl, but yeah, both are very good, especially oh, the yeah. coming from Italy. 
Um, so to wrap it up, I would love to recap what you have shared with us. Basically, the first thing that you need to do is leveraging your connections, right? Trying to get interest. That's the first key to success. Next one is doing the manual research by interviewing your customers and asking what are the top resources they are trusting, right? They are actively following, they are consuming information. It takes time. The second one, but uh, that could also refine your process is leveraging software like yours, like SparkToro, where you could do the search for keywords, for hashtags, and identifying these um, sources for PR programs. The next step is basically if you have connections, you ask for an intro. If you don't have, you need to start with basically involving these people, right, to contribute to your content. Could be newsletter, it could be blog post, it could be listicle, it could be podcast. And again, podcast is definitely not a silver bullet. I'm always saying this. You don't. At one point, I was almost uh, like in probably in 20, 2019, I recorded just one episode of this podcast. I didn't have time. And I, to be honest, I didn't, I, I thought that these one-to-one -one interviews are really boring. But basically it, it's valuable for me, but I was, yeah, yeah. I had the same question as Elisa. I was like wondering, do actually people listen to these interviews, right? So at one point I decided to completely switch my approach. So today we are a little bit late. So we have just around 20 people in a Zoom chat. But if you guys uh, attended previous live chats, we usually have up to 70, 80 people online, right? And I made this podcast a community-based podcast so you are coming you're asking questions we have fantastic guests and so from my point of view when everybody does physique you need to do zach right so <laughs> but keep in mind that podcast is definitely not a pr not first of all not a pr activity but a networking activity and finally Finally, you need to, if, if you want to get featured, let's say on these big resources, if you want to get attention of journalists, aside from what we have shared, you need to come up with unique data, right? You need to have, you need to do this research. You need to come up with these insights and saying that you guys would be the first, right? Who could publish it. So that might be a key to success. Yeah, I, I think, uh... Unique data is is one way to go. You can you can get that from you know if you have data sources of your own, you can do it. If you get it from third parties, you can you can buy it or you can use other third parties to assemble it. Surveys are also a great way to get data, right? So I, I think um, that works really well. And then the the other one is that that can work is is like the spiky opinions, right? Um, the controversial opinions and publishing on that topic, especially in a um, in a space that you know journalists are covering, are writing about, and this is again, you know, a great, great thing to do with audience research, right? Is you can you can find the publications and the sources of influence, and you can look at, okay, what what sorts of topics are they covering? What sorts of, you know, um, uh, discussions are very popular on social media right now? So, for for example, right, we were talking about the chill work thing, the uh, anti work subreddit is very popular right now. There's lots of journalists writing about this sort of anti-work movement and, and kind of a renewed labor movement, at least in the United States, um, talking about labor shortage issues. 
And so if you can do things that intersect with that topic, you, you can do very well, right? Um, at, the, at the start of COVID, things that intersected with the pandemic and with virology did very, very well. Right now, uh, stuff that intersects with things like logistics, which is a big story because of supply chain issues around the world, tend to do very well. Things that um, intersect with, um, uh, you know, what, what I call that, like employment, because the unemployment rate in the U.S. is at the, the lowest level it's been at since like the 1960s, right? And so there's this whole demand supply curve that is changing and lots and lots of people writing and reading about it. But you can do this in any sector, right? You can go find the topics that journalists are covering. Um, SparkToro is pretty good for this, especially if you like go to the text insights and browse hashtags and words and phrases. It'll show you like, here's what people are writing, tweeting, posting about in your sector. Uh, and you know, those types of insights can really help you find a an opportunity for that controversial opinion or that data that can get you coverage. And I would love to ask you the last question from my side. Um, if you want to do this service, right? If you want to do the audience research, but you don't have audience, what should be the right approach? Basically, uh, when it comes to PR, right? It's clear, it's one-to-one, -one, but it will take tremendous time if you want to collect a data, let's say from 200 people, 500 people, right? So what should be the right approach? How to structure this program and basically motivate people to become a part of this research? Uh, I, I have had a lot of success with using, essentially pitching other people's publications on joining forces to get data about a topic. So for example, I'll say, hey, um, I put together a survey for PR professionals. I, I only have, you know, a small number of PRs that follow me, but I know that, you know, whatever it is, Sarah Evans or Michelle Garrett or um, uh, Lexi Mills or somebody have a lot more PR people in their network. Would, would, I'll email them and say like, hey, would you be willing to, or I'll send them a LinkedIn message. Hey, would you be willing to share this survey with your audience you know, it's for PR folks and, you know, I'll make sure that you have access to the back end so you can see the responses. And, you know, if we want to do something together with the data, we, we could co-publish, I could put together a graph for you, like whatever you want, but I'm, I'm looking to reach this audience. Would you help me reach your audience? Many times, a lot of people will say yes, right? Because it's of interest to them to get that data as well. They, they would love having access to it. And, you know, they look good when they share it with their audience because it's relevant to those folks. So uh, I like leveraging other people's audiences, even if you only have a small one yourself. Love it. Thank you so much. Uh, that was brilliant. How did you like this session, guys? Let us know in the chat, please. And I also dropped a link uh to the video recording and audio if you prefer itunes or spotify it will be available everywhere i will send you uh the also the email with uh video recording um so definitely stay tuned and thanks a lot for joining us thanks a lot for sharing these practical tips it was a blast my pleasure andre thanks for having me thanks everyone for joining yeah have a good day cheers bye bye